We are close to the start of the second half. The Chicago White Sox are 46 and 46 and three games back in the AL Central. White Sox pitching, among so many other things, will be a prime focus as the Sox get things going against the Guardians on Friday night. The Juan Soto saga continues, and the White Sox are once again mentioned to be involved. If not Juan Soto, who else can help the Sox? Down the stretch. You are locked on White Sox, your daily Chicago White Sox podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, Sox fans, welcome to Locked On White Sox. Thank you for making Locked On White Sox your first listen. Each and every day, we're free and available on all platforms. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Socks. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search Locked On White Socks. Hey, I'm your host, Nick Murawski, a lifelong diehard Chicago White Sox fan. Uh, recording this podcast just blocks from the ballpark in beautiful Bridgeport. You can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore at GGTV. Really appreciate you letting me steal some of your time to talk White Sox. Lockdown White Sox is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, we're getting ready for the second half here. Uh, Sox have four with the Cleveland Guardians on the south side starting on Friday. Lots of White Sox talk to get to. It is a pleasure to be joined by Sox on Tap contributor Steve Peridzinski. Welcome, Steve, to Lockdown Socks. Hey, Nick. Appreciate you having me on again. Always great to get together with you and talk some socks. We got a lot to get to, buddy, um, in a short amount of time. But, um, you know, uh, you wrote uh, a wonderful article on ONTAP uh, Sportsnet revolving around uh, Michael Kopech, almost what the Sox need to do, how to set him up for success. I, you know, I want to hear from you specifically, you know, on that article. Uh, the starters have been mentioned for the Cleveland series. Uh, Giolito on Friday, uh, Lynn or Cueto on Saturday game one, and then whoever's not pitching will go game two. And then Cease versus Beaver, which I can't wait for that matchup on Sunday. Thoughts, uh, Steve, maybe even picking through your article on, you know, what the Sox are going to need to be doing in the second half to keep him fresh and productive. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think for once was able to get out in front of the news cycle a little bit, getting this article out today before the rotation was announced for this pivotal series against the Cleveland Guardians to open the second half. And you know, it is very interesting to see Michael Kopech absent from the probable starters for this four-game series. The other interesting dynamic here is the off days that will follow this series. You have one on Monday before they've got a two-game set in Colorado, and then another one next Thursday. So really one of the things that I highlighted in my piece was the fact that the All-Star break and the choppy schedule with this interleague series against the Rockies gives the Sox an opportunity to allow Michael Kopech to kind of recharge his batteries a little bit, given some of the struggles that we have seen from him over the last month since he exited that game against the Texas Rangers on Sunday, July 12th with the knee issue. Yeah, he, um, 
you know, as of late, you know, we talk about running out of gas or running out of steam. And I feel like uh, the strike zone has just been jumping around on him a bit. You know, there's an emotional piece to it. Um, you know, and I think he is he's checked himself pretty well. And, you know, he's kept things in perspective, uh, even in postgame conversations. But I can sense that he has been frustrated. But you know, 17 games start, 83 innings pitched, 74 strikeouts in those 83 innings, and he's got a 3.36 uh, ERA. Is there an innings limit, do you think, that the Sox are going to try to uh, hover around here in, in the rest of the season? My thought coming into the season was always that he was going to be limited to about 120 or 130 innings. I think if you go back to the 2021 season, he had, I want to say it was 65 or 66 innings pitched in there. And that was his first season pitching competitively since 2018, obviously following the Tommy John surgery, sitting out the 2020 COVID shortened season uh, due to personal issues. So this is really the first foray for him back into a full-time starting rotation since 2018 when he was in Birmingham and then his brief call-up with the Sox. So my thought's always been that 120, 130 innings mark. So again, this is where the schedule kind of gives them an opportunity to put some limitations on the innings, allow him to save some of the bullets for a pivotal stretch run here. Obviously this team has put themselves in a position where they are within striking distance. And you would certainly want a healthy, fresh Michael Kopech to be available down the stretch pitching pivotal innings for this team. Yeah, it's uh, I still have to, you know, take a step back. And I know Sox fans, you know, do this as well of like, wow, you know, when this guy came into the organization in the fall of 2016 in that in that Mancata sale, you know, that that big deal that really uh, sprung the Sox in a different direction. I mean, this is the first year that we're really seeing what we were hoping for back in 2016. A Michael Kopech, you know, in a starting rotation. Uh, there have been some highs. I mean, some of the, the, the that Yankees game. I mean, that was unbelievable. But it's not sustainable, right? Like he's going to have some lows too, because it's still his first year in the starting rotation. You're absolutely right. You you touched on some of the high points for him, Nick. You know, obviously the Sunday night game against the Yankees, um, and then he had a superior outing at home against the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, back in June. And that was the start that immediately preceded the game against the Texas Rangers when the knee issue flared up for the first time. So he definitely has had moments where you've seen the top of the rotation arm that we all thought that we were getting when he was acquired for Chris Sale back in December of 2016. Unfortunately, it just kind of looks like he's hit a little bit of a dead arm period. And I think most Sox fans kind of realize that that was something that was going to happen eventually. At some point, there was really no way to kind of tell when that would take place. If you look at the stretch of time that I highlighted in my piece earlier today here, starting with the um, start against the Texas or excuse me, against the Houston Astros on June 19th on ESPN on Sunday night. From there up until the start against the Detroit Tigers on July the 10th. He had a precipitous decline in his velocity, um, saw a decline in his strikeout rate increase significantly in his walk rate and in a significant increase in his home run rate. Those are kind of things that point to a dead arm period for me. And you saw a decline in the overall fastball usage as well. The positive to that 
however, is his last start going into the break against the Twins. The fastball velocity was up again at about 95 and a half miles per hour. That was a full three miles an hour up from where it was against the Tigers on July the 10th. So hopefully that dead arm period has kind of dissipated a little bit, and we're going to get back to seeing the high-octane forcing fastball that we saw from him for so much of the season. Yeah, great points. Um, I, you know, you have, we all have the ability to pour over every single pitch and you can see the trajectory, the spin, you can see that, you know, we are, boy, and, and it could be graphed. Uh, this is, uh, you know, the, the peaks and valleys of miles per hour throughout an outing and, and being in, in the first year in a rotation, uh, he might he will go through some of those uh, lulls, uh, especially because he can't be a max guy where he's throwing one inning out of the bullpen like he did last year. He's got to pace himself. Um, I, worried about the command at all, Steve? I mean, it, it tends like he can he can walk guys in bunches, especially in the first inning. Yeah, that is one thing that has been a little problematic for him on the season. He's about four and a half walks per nine, um, which is close to a walk and a half increase over where he was pitching out of the bullpen primarily in 2021. And that was really one of the biggest concerns about him as he was working his way through the minor leagues in the systems with the Boston Red Sox. And then once he was acquired by the Sox going through, um, you know, particularly double a Birmingham and then triple a Charlotte, you know, the strike zone would get away from him at times. So that is definitely something that has to be addressed here in short order. Um, he does have a tendency to get himself into some trouble, falling behind in counts 2-0-2-1-3-1. But he's got such overwhelming stuff that he can pitch around that one needed. But obviously, he's going to put himself in a much better position to be successful and be dominant and work deeper into games if he can get ahead in counts consistently. Yeah, we're. I feel like we're just kind of splitting hairs here. Good problems to have uh, as we enter the second half. And, and it's very exciting. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, what what Kopech has to offer uh, for the White Sox uh, in these months to come. Uh, we're going to take another look at the first half, and we're going to tell you what needs to happen for the Sox to be back in the World Series conversation. Uh, more on that uh, in a moment. Welcome to the world of sports cards reimagined. The sports card investor app is the hobby's most powerful resource. Quickly check the value of your favorite cards, find great deals, and profit from the hobby you love. Available completely free in the Google Play and Apple App Stores, the sports card investor app is a must-have for baseball fans. Easily browse over 600 30,000 cards from every sport with hundreds more added each week. Check the latest values of your favorite cards with seven-day or 30-day charts. Find the best prices and buy directly through the app with our eBay deals feature. Uh, plus, it's completely free. Whether you're a casual card collector or looking for exciting alternative investment opportunities, the free sports card investor app has something for you. Uh, with the free sports card investor app, you can pull out those old cards from your favorite childhood players and see how much they are worth today. Uh, download the sports card investor app today, available for free in the Google Play and Apple app stores, or go to sportscardinvestor.com slash locked on. Which NFL stars move the betting line the most? Starting July 18th, Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. Available July 18th on Locked On NFL 
wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. So, you know, it's, there's no one answer we're not going to solve this in an eight minute segment, but I can't help during this all-star break, Steve, just continually to think about like, well, what went wrong in the first half? What went right? Um, As you have thought about and sat with this maybe over the last few days, um, what are the things that come to your mind of, Boy, those were the top three or the those were the major things that went really wrong that we need to clean up here on this White Sox team. Well, first and foremost has been the power outage that has plagued this team throughout the entirety of the season. Coming into play, um, starting tomorrow with the second half, this team ranks 24th in all of baseball in home runs hit with 84. And one of the pieces that I wrote for ONTAP Sports and a couple of weeks back highlighted the power outage and just the significant decline that this team has had in home runs and the need for this team to start hitting the ball out of the ballpark, particularly at home, if they were to make a significant push in the second half. We saw in the last 10 games leading into the all-star break, this team went seven and three. It is not a coincidence that in those seven or excuse me, in those 10 games, they hit 14 home runs by nine different guys. So it was spread pretty much up and down the lineup. The old saying is ball go far team go far. And you and I are both old enough to remember a time when it was said that the White Sox as a team used to hit too many home runs. Boy, I would kill to go back to those days. <laughs> How about it? How about it? Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it feels like uh, it, it's come, it's been coming on late and a guy like Mankata uh, has, has caught fire a bit. Um, you know, I don't know. You and I have had a lot of conversations over the last few years, um, whether it's on Good Guys Talk Back or when you and I just talk, you know, we, we've run into each other uh, just before a game or something. You know, the, so many, the, the pressure that's put on Yohan Mankata by all of us fans to, to perform and uh, some of the expectations are unrealistic, but just simply to, you know, have some power to hit to hit extra bases with regularity, you know, uh, it's not too much to ask. He seems to be doing it now. This is huge for the Sox if he could sustain this. What are your thoughts on Mankata in the second half? Yoan Mankata is definitely one of the X factors for this team. In fact, heading into the season, I thought him and Michael Kopech were really the two X factors overall for this group. We saw, obviously, Mankata missed the first, I'm going to say five or six weeks of the season with the oblique injury. And then when he came back, really the power uh, simply wasn't there. And really the plate discipline was something that has not been there that we've typically have been accustomed to with him. So two guys that I'm really watching particularly close in the second half, and I'm assuming that Yasmani Grandal will be activated come Friday. Yasmani Grandal and Yoan Mankata are two guys that can help provide the much-needed left-handed balance and plate discipline that this team has lacked for the entirety of the season almost. If both of those guys can come back and provide a level of power in the middle part of this lineup, it's just going to help provide significant length to this team and to an offensive unit that really is very top heavy. And if they can get power production from both of those guys, similar to what we have seen from them in the past, it's going to just make this offense a lot more dangerous. And again, put them in a much better position to surpass the Cleveland guardians and the Minnesota twins and win the AL central again. Yeah, uh, that's uh, what we saw from Yasmani Grandal last season in the second half uh, was outstanding. If we can get just something, something in that neighborhood, uh, that would be 
uh, so helpful to take things in a, in the right direction. Um, in terms of the first half, what were some things that popped off uh, in the the pages of that went right? Let's let's continue in that direction. Those were good things, and hopefully they 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 either stay the same or they get better. Two guys that really stood out to me um, on the pitching side of the equation here, kind of flip the script a little bit. Dylan Cease, obviously, everyone knows, should have been an all-star and is in the discussion for American League Cy Young through the first half of the season. And really an unsung hero for this group, uh, another guy I wrote about recently, Ronaldo Lopez. His transition into the bullpen full-time here has been really a revelation for this team. And he's a guy that has been thrust into a couple of different roles, and he's just gone out there and gotten the job done almost every single time that he has been given the ball and he's putting himself in a position to be a more high leverage reliever and putting himself in a position to potentially down the road, I think be a guy that can be a setup man or even a closer. And I made a comparison in in a piece I wrote about him recently. His statistically is very similar, his career arc to that of Wade Davis, formerly Mm -hmm. of the Tampa Bay Rays and the Kansas City Royals. And we saw a lot of him in that Kansas City Royals bullpen there. The numbers between the two and the similarities are really striking. And I think Lopez is the type of guy that really can continue to refine this role in the bullpen and be a deadly weapon for this team. I'm glad you mentioned Ronaldo Lopez. He he is the forgotten man. Uh, another guy that uh, was acquired uh, early during during the rebuild, and we've been kind of waiting to see the real Ronaldo Lopez. There have been glimpses, and uh, he has been very impressive in, in situations where he has had to get out of champs, multiple champs, and he has uh, stepped up. Um, expectations coming into this season of course everybody knows it uh world series or bust that is why it's been so deflating uh, for the Sox to be where they are and where they were just even a couple weeks ago uh it went from world series or bust to um you know i think we could win the al central to now i just hope we make it to the postseason uh the way the Sox ended the first half especially that minnesota series Do you think we'll get back sooner rather than later into talking about the White Sox as World Series uh, contenders? Well, I think a lot of it, again, is going to be predicated on this team's ability to hit the baseball out of the ballpark. Really, that is what needs to happen in order for them to sustain success. It's been pretty well documented at this point that baseball in the year 2022 is not won by stringing together three and four singles in an inning. The funny thing is the White Sox actually have the fourth highest team batting average in all of baseball. But if you look at them from an offensive production standpoint, they are near the bottom third of the league in most categories simply because they don't hit enough home runs. They don't walk. That's really how you win baseball games today in the modern game. So if they can continue to do what we saw those last 10 days leading into the break, um, getting on base with a little more regularity and hitting the ball out of the ballpark and hitting two and three run homers, I think this team's fortune definitely will turn around. Uh, the Sox, uh, they, they've got a lot of needs uh, to be addressed at the deadline. Uh, we're going to tell you what the Sox should focus on uh, to help set them up for success down the stretch. Uh, more on that in a moment. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the Puffs treatment. 
That's right, the Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor you love and a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. Uh, but don't, uh, but please uh, stop drooling and listen. They are actually good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, all delicious. Coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time. Go to built.com now to make sure you don't miss out. All built bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. The best part about Built Puffs is, of course, they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them guilt-free because they're actually good for you. They're the perfect treat, perfect when you've got a craving, when you need to satisfy your sweet tooth, or if you need a quick, healthy snack, they are an excellent source of protein. Delicious coconut, rich, sweet, brownie, creamy marshmallow. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order Use promo code LOCKED15. Okay, uh, I talked about on the uh, episode yesterday, uh, some of the Juan Soto stuff. It continues to pop up, Steve. You know, again, you and I are no stranger to the crazy White Sox trade hypotheticals that happen during the uh, offseason at trade deadlines. We've heard them all. And uh, as lifelong Sox fans, I just kind of have to laugh at this Juan Soto thing, but it continues to gain steam. White Sox have been mentioned as one of the teams that, of course, have some sort of seat at the table. Uh, just your your thoughts, Steve, on uh, this Juan Soto nonsense and if the Sox are actually uh, involved in any of this. Nonsense is really the appropriate word to use here. I've really not been even entertaining much of the discussion regarding Juan Soto for two simple reasons. One, the Sox don't have the ability to meet the acquisition costs that the Washington Nationals are going to um, throw out there in order to send the all-world outfielder to the corner of 35th and Shields. And on top of that, the Sox won't meet the retention cost to keep him at 35th and Shields long-term. So those two variables right there just simply make all of this discussion pointless, for lack of a better term. Um, if you really want to make yourself nauseous thinking about Juan Soto, think about the fact that in 2016, when the team signed Fernando Tatis out of the Dominican Republic, they actually thought that they had a deal in place to sign Juan Soto for $1.4 million. And then the Nationals had a private hitting session with them, and they signed him for 1.5 million. <laughs> That's classic. You can't make that stuff up. Uh, that is only uh, the White Sox. <laughs> that is true White Sox stuff. Yeah, the, the retention thing, you hit on it. Uh, well said. Um, the, the Sox have a lot of different needs. And, you know, the trade deadline is is coming up fast. And I'm sure the conversations have been going on uh, in the, with the front office. Uh, maybe have escalated a little bit with the way the Sox finished the first half. What do you see the Sox doing to, to get better, to set this team up for success for the long haul? Well, I think there's really three pivotal things that this team needs to address that unfortunately, one of them they didn't really address in the offseason, and that is their ability to handle right-handed pitching. 
they're about 23rd or 24th in the league in terms of overall offensive production against right-handed pitching. Um, if you look at weighted runs created plus as a, as a metric there. So if you could find someone ideally that hits from the left side of the plate, that maybe could split time between say second base and right field in a perfect world, that would be great. I I can't think of who that player is off the top of my head to tell you the truth. The other two things on the pitching side of it here, uh, we started our discussion today talking about Michael Kopech and the innings limit that he is going to be on. And we didn't really get a chance to touch on some of the struggles that Lance Lynn has mm-hmm. had since mm-hmm. coming off of yep. the IL. So I personally believe that this team is going to need a starting pitcher. And one guy that I think would make a ton of sense for this team, someone that White Sox fans are all too familiar with, Jose Quintana. Mm. Of, the, of the Pittsburgh Pirates. So he would definitely fill a need for this team in the starting rotation, um, can obviously help them to limit the innings with Michael Kopech, allowing to kind of skip, maybe use a six-man rotation, do some piggybacking off of each other. And one other area that I think has to be addressed is having a left-handed arm in the bullpen, because right now the only lefty reliever on this roster is Tanner Banks. And a team that believes that they are a viable World Series contender cannot go into the stretch run and into October in that position. We don't know when Aaron Bummer is going to be back. So maybe a guy like Andrew Chafin with the Detroit Tigers, um, someone that has really been death on left-handed hitters this season, I think he would be an ideal fit. So I think those are a couple of the guys that might make the most sense. I don't think the acquisition cost would be prohibitive for this team to be able to make those kinds of moves. Great ideas, uh, Steve. I think those uh, th- those are per- perfect fillers. And you you brought up a a really great topic that does that that needs to almost a separate episode on the Lance Lynn thing and what is going on with him. Um, I, I hope he gets right. I hope he is healthy and I hope he figures it out because uh, he can be a very valuable piece. Uh, if you look at what happened last year, um, uh, we need him. Steve, I hope we uh, get to talk again throughout this season. It is always a pleasure when we connect. Uh, Please let everybody know where they can find the great stuff that you're doing. Yeah, so you can find my work at ONTAP Sportsnet, um, working specifically with the Sox on Tap group. You can find me on Twitter at NWI underscore Steve. And you can hear me almost on a nightly basis doing the Sox on Tap postgame recap shows uh, available on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter. Podcast versions are available on all the major podcast platforms. Awesome. Uh, Steve Paradzinski, thank you so much, buddy, for joining Lockdown White Sox. Nick, thanks again. Pleasure as always. Go Sox, buddy. Go Sox. Thank you, folks, so much for making this podcast part of your daily routine. You can find the Lockdown White Sox podcast absolutely everywhere you find your podcasts. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Sox. You can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore a GGTB. Thanks for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen. Now make your second listen, Lockdown MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, really appreciate you making time for the Lockdown White Sox podcast. I'm Nick Murawski. Until next time, go Sox.